I believe that God is pursuing you. I think specifically, if you've never received him, if you've never accepted him, he is pursuing you today, not only through what we've already experienced in worship, but what we're going to see in his word. So I would encourage you to open up your heart and be ready to hear what God is doing through his love for you. His love is great. It is amazing. Today we wrap up this series called On Mission. And our mission at Greenville First Christian Church is to love God, love people, serve all. You might say, well, I thought our mission was hope changed everything. That is our vision. We believe when we live out that mission to loving God, loving people, and serving all, it will provide hope through Jesus Christ that changes lives. Amen? I almost lost my breath. I'm excited. I, I believe God is pursuing you today. It's time for us to know that, to live it, and to share it. Hey, one way we can fulfill that mission today, there, there's very few things I think we can do in, in a timely fashion that does all those things. Love God, love people, and serve all. You can do that through a prayer time, especially with other people. Because in that, we're pursuing God, his wisdom, and his power. We're loving him. Uh, we're loving others by gathering together in a common bond. And then we're serving people by asking God's power to come alive in their lives. And we're going to do that today at 4 o'clock all throughout our school district, and maybe wherever you go to school, I encourage you to, to go to that school and pray for the students, for the teachers, for the administration, uh, for faculty and staff, for bus drivers. Every part of our school needs prayer. I've been doing ministry now for a number of years. We started out in youth ministry. I believe our students and schools need prayer now more than I've ever seen because we're divided. We're, 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 it's messy. There's a struggle. But God is bigger than this. He can turn what we seem as something that's distraction. He can use to have the greatest year of school in our students' lives they've ever and we've ever seen. Amen? But it starts with us coming together, I believe, today in unity and prayer. So I want to invite you to one of these places or wherever you live and to pray for our schools. Uh, we're really designated in about 30 minutes to come together. Uh, I want to challenge you to be there. How many of you are a grandparent or a parent of a student? Raise your hand. I think this room's probably full of them. You need to be at one of these places. Just as important as being here now, we need to come together to pray and show unity to our community and show that, uh, our, to our teachers and our students that we believe God can make their year amazing through what uh, he can do in their lives. It's a way to love God, love people, and to serve all. We, we need to be ready to share that hope whichever way we can. You did it last week. I just need to celebrate this. Last week, uh, midweek, Mid-India Christian Mission pursued our missions team. Marvin Warner is uh, the chair of that missions ministry. And they said, hey, we need help. We have a, a run of, of unhealthy situations, specifically COVID. And in India, they don't have hospital beds, let alone oxygen. So uh, they said, we can get these oxygen concentrators for a little under $1,000 a piece. So the missions team said, we're going to allot $1,000 of our undesignated money that you've already given in offerings. They said, we've got uh, this amount of money. We're going to make sure that goes to mid-India. And Marvin said, do you think that we could do that as a church? And the elders agreed pretty quickly. It was by Friday. We were just like, hey, we knew we'd do it. And so we let you know. And we thought we'd maybe raise another three or 4000 maybe send three to $4,000 total to Mid-India. By your outpouring of generosity, paired with the lead leadership of the missions team, we were able to wire this past Tuesday $10,000 to Mid-India. And I want to praise God for that. That is really great. Praise God for the way you share your resources and that great generosity. 
What I find also interesting, you're like, well, Tyson, the rest of the offering must have been horrible, right? Because you gave any cash resources to India. Uh, that's what the elders decided. Guys, I want you to know, you not only were generous that way, we almost met our regular budget need in the middle of summer as well. So thank you for being generous. God uh, does amazing things when we're doing uh, the things he asked to, to be serving all and to be sharing our resources. Have you noticed um, sometimes we share strange things, though? Today's, today's focus is knowing our mission and then sharing it. Sometimes we share the strangest of things. I saw it firsthand uh, this week at the fair. Anybody else at the fair with me this week for anything? Maybe the parade? Uh, raise your hands proudly if you went to the Bond County Fair this week, okay? I saw a lot of you out there. It was great. Uh, we were out there marching in the parade. But on Tuesday, Drake and I went to the demo. My boys had never went to the demo, and I was like, we got to change this. I grew up at demos, you know? And so uh, we were all there at the demo. Drake and I were sitting together. The other boys were doing other things with their friends, but, but we thought the demo started at 6. It started like at 7.30. So from 6 to about 7.15, I'm saving spots in the grandstands. I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but I'm there. And, and once we realized it was going to start after 7, Drake's like, hey, I need to go get some food. So he left me there alone. And I just noticed the things that we share at the, at the fair. Man, some of these things are great to share. I, I mean, I love sharing them, like popcorn, especially like the kettle corn that was there. Uh, I love sharing cotton candy, lemonade shakeups. I can even share ice cream. But one thing that kind of pushes the limit for me, Drake came back. I said, hey, get us something we can share. And he came back with something I'm not comfortable sharing. I just have to admit to you. It was that two-and-a-half-foot-long corn dog, Okay. It was about this big, and he had, like, uh, ketchup down the side, and, and he took a big bite of it, and I was like, yeah, I'll pass, you know? It, it, it's just this idea. I draw the line at some places things to share. We share the strangest of things. The next hour, I see corn dog after corn dog coming through. They must be good. Uh, and I would see one guy start here, and it would pass down the row, seven people taking a bite, you know? <laughs> we share some strange things. I ask you this week on social media, what's some weird things you see that's shared? The number one, um, I, I know Brian right up here who played bass this morning, he, he's not opposed to this, but uh, many people are opposed to sharing toothbrushes. I know Brian's a fan, personally, of sharing toothbrush. The sharing of the toothbrush is weird at times. So, uh, when it needs to be done, it needs to be done. How about also this? Anybody ever shared makeup? They say that's not a proper thing to do, except if it's your toddler daughter, you know? I've had that daily has applied makeup to, to my face before. Sometimes that's appropriate. I'm not against nose clippers, but I'm opposed to sharing them, okay? <laughs> Number three, nose clippers, awkward to share. How about this? I've never done this, nor do I want to try uh, bubble gum. Not out of a pack, but out of your mouth, okay? I've seen that done. People be like, hey, do you have any gum? They're like, no, but here's the piece I just put in my mouth. You want A couple times a year, if you pay attention, you'll see people swapping bubble gum. It's not sinful. It's just weird, Okay? How about this? Uh, opposed to share uh, a loofah. Now, you, some of you are like, I don't even know what a loofah is. You don't need to share one. Let me just tell you that. It's just weird. Okay, the top five things that people came up this week, though, is better when it's shared. Number one is food. Man, that's one of the great things about the fair is just sharing food. It's one of the great things about getting together with family. It is one of the best things about when you get together with the body of Christ in a moment we are going to share in communion when we share in the, the cup and the loaf together. And we get to celebrate and remember what Christ has done. It is great to, to share those things together. Another great thing to share that you mentioned this week is, is a laugh. 
That's why there's value, even in this moment, for us to just spend some time as we start to think about sharing the good news, is to laugh together. Another thing that we had acknowledged to share together is coffee. I know our staff loves to share coffee. I feel kind of on the outside sometimes. I've never consumed a cup of coffee in my life, and I'm not going to start anytime soon. But, I, but I'm drawn to the bond that it is when you share it together. So if you ever see the staff sharing coffee together, I'm in the mix. I probably got milk in my cup, okay? But it's great to share that. We at our family has found that it's good to share chores. Chores are better when they're shared together, whether it's laundry or doing the dishes. At our house, uh, for a long time, no one has started mowing without someone else to be there to mow with them. It's like it's just too much of a task, so we do it together. Also, number five, probably the most important one on the list, is that we need to share hugs. We need to share touch. We need to be together. If you're in a relationship where you can hug someone, do it often. Hold on to them tight. Let them know uh, that you care for them, that you love them. Because we long for that touch. We, we have that need. It, it brings joy. Here's what I would suggest to you. We share what matters. We share what's going to be a blessing, what's going to bring joy. In our vision for Greenville First Christian Church is to share the hope of Jesus, and that hope changes everything. Let me ask you this. Are you sharing it? Uh, you may know what it is that have, have hope in, in heaven forever with him. And, and, and we know that Christ lived it, and, and we try to live it. But are you, when, when the rubber hits the road, are you letting people know the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and him only? Are you sharing the gospel? But how do you do it? Long before I could read, I began to know about the gospel. My Sunday school teachers in, in my toddler classes and my mom and dad shared the truths of God's word with me as a child, and it's continued. That began to change my life. I think it's one of the most important things we can do to put in each other's minds and hearts is God's word. At the core of that is our core verse for today from our Core 52 content. It is uh, like the core of the core. It's John 3.16, the words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That, that is an evidence through the words of Jesus himself that God loves you. That he would give his son so that you might live. But that original message wasn't for you, it was for one man. John 3, this one man's name was Nicodemus. He was kind of burnt out on religion I don't blame him. Religion will burn you out because religion is often made by men and women to, to, to honor their own, their own uh, uh, goals and, and resources. But, but Nicodemus is like, man, I'm looking at the religion and I'm kind of losing my heart. So he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want any of the other religious leaders to know he's there. And he says, Jesus, I want to know more about the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom. I see your powerful miracles, and I, I know you're from God, and I want to see. And Jesus stops him in John chapter 3, verse 3, and he says this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's reborn again. Excuse me, unless he's born again. Jesus is saying, you've got to have a start over with your mindset, with your heart. You've got to be reborn. And Nicodemus says, how can an adult, how can a man be born again. How can I enter into my mother's womb to be born again? It's just like you're missing the point. All John, all Nicodemus could see was, was the world around him and, and the physical nature that hurts him so much. He says, how can there be more? 
Right now, I'm afraid, and, and I, I know this, it's in my heart, it's true. There are millions, if not more, of people in the world that all they can see is the physical distractions around them. And what God has been saying all along, and he's saying again today through this passage, is there's more to see, but you've got to be made new. You've got to be reborn. You've got to have a restart. So much of the world is, is distracted by the things around them in their physical sense. There is no spiritual part of them anymore because all the sickness and pain which leads to anxiety and discouragement to the point where people lose hope. They're a lot like Nicodemus. Uh, he says, I want to see. And Jesus says, you got to look at the different things. Stop looking at the world around you. Stop looking at religion. Stop looking to honor men and be made new in me. Far too many people are like Nicodemus. They're becoming overwhelmed and depressed by the world. In fact, many people, I just heard another testimony today uh, uh, of a thought of suicide this weekend. I'm so thankful one of my sisters in Christ was willing there to listen to this man or he was going to take his life just this weekend. We become depressed and suicidal. Death is a common topic in our world today when you look at the physical world. Did you realize that the CDC, they're quoted often lately if you haven't noticed, but the CDC reports that suicide has now become the number two leading cause of death in my age and younger. Only second to accidental injury. So many of us in the world can't see past our physical problems and, and, and the depression that we're like, we'll just end it. But then when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, here's what Jesus says. In the midst of Nicodemus' wondering, is there any more? Jesus says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, that would not be overwhelmed, but would have eternal life. At that moment, God stepped in to provide hope. He did it in the world then, and he can do it in the world now. He can do it in your life today. If you have wondered and you've never said it, you were like, is there anything past this world? Jesus saying, for God loved you so much that he gave his son so you can live forever. Our world is suffering and is full of danger and fear, disease, division. But Jesus saying to Nicodemus and to you, for God. But you might say, well, how do you know God exists? How can you prove God exists? I can't. You, you might say, well, the, the hot topic of the day, well, what does science say? How, by science, how can you prove there's God? You can't, but has science ever proved that God doesn't exist? In fact, some of the most noble minds of scientific mind of, of philosophy have set out to prove that God doesn't exist. And, and nine times out of ten, in a short fashion, they, they come to the conclusion there must be a God. Paul speaks about this. The Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, shares why this is real in Romans chapter 1. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, these qualities you can't put in a test tube or evaluate with empirical theory, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Here's what Paul's saying. If you open your heart, if, if you look around, there's evidence all around us that there's something bigger than us. It's what Ben talked about right here. There, we've got to be comfortable with the fact that we can't understand the highest qualities of God. That's what makes him God. And in that, we can have peace. If today you come to a question you can't answer, and if you give it to God, you can have the greater peace than you could ever have if you figured it out on yourself. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about this, that when we have all knowledge or we think we have all knowledge, it puffs us up. 
but love builds up. Guys, what we need is another dose of love in our families, in our culture. Because there's things we don't understand, but we can know that God is love. Remember Helen Keller? She was a young girl before even the age of uh, any uh, uh, communication ability. She lost not only uh, her uh, ability to hear, but she became deaf, dumb, and blind. She had no ability to communicate or to have any sensory uh, ability other than through her skin and touch and like heat. She, she could not communicate. But after years of creative learning, she began to communicate. And after that developed, her vocabulary got to the point where one day someone asked her, what do you know about God? And they began to communicate the creator, the one that makes everything, the one that was before us. And here's what she said. She didn't know his name, but she knew there was a God. Because there was a time she didn't have a name for anything. But in her darkness and isolation, she knew that she wasn't, was not alone. She declared she felt God's love. Can you imagine that? Not being able to hear, not being able to see, not being able to speak. And yet she declared that she knew God was real and with her. That's what God is. He is love. First uh, John chapter 4, the scripture makes it clear that simply God is love. That's what God is. The word here for love in First John 4 is agape. And, and and it is a form of love that did not exist vocabulary-wise. Kind of like Helen Keller, she had no idea. Before Christ gave himself on the cross, the world did not truly know agape love. It was a word that was formed based on what Christ did, based on what was recorded in the Bible. This is a sacrificial love that loves you, not because you're doing anything for me, but I love you so much that I would lay down my life so that I could have a relationship with you. That's agape love. And that's what God has done for us. In that moment, you feel like you're alone and it's dark and there's no hope. Jesus is telling each of us today, just like he told Nicodemus, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. That if you would believe in him, you would have eternal life. But God didn't just start loving us in the New Testament. He loved us in the Old Testament. He's always loved his people. In Psalms chapter 103, the psalmist declares God's love in a bunch of ways. I'm going to share with you some of the, the favorites this week at staff meeting. On Tuesday, we, we went through the entire chapter, and here's, here were some of our favorites of these verses. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not constantly accuse you. Some of you need to hear that today. You have been brought up where God is pointing a finger. Hey, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I'm going to punish you for this. Here's what the word says is true. God does not constantly accuse. You know who accuses? That's Satan's job. God does not constantly accuse, but he's looking to love you. Nor does he remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great as, as height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He is tender and compassionate to those who fear him. God desires this healthy relationship, but one of the things that we need to understand, he is God and we're not. That's, that was the point of what Ben's talking about. Uh, that, that's the point that Nicodemus had to get the point. He, he said, i got to figure everything out. And Jesus says, I will let you, you have the ability to see the kingdom of God if you will be made new and, and have a different mindset. 
We have to have this healthy relationship with God that, that puts ourselves in a proper position with him, that he's God and we're not. First thing we need to under, always remember, and we forget at times, is we think we've created the world for ourselves. God is the creator. He's the creator of everything. In Genesis, it says he's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know that. But look what Psalms 33 says. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. One of the things that really excites me if I'm out in nature is if I see a shooting star, a meteorite, going across the sky. This past uh, two weeks, up until the next two weeks, we're in a pretty intense uh, a meteorite shower. Has anybody seen a, a shooting star, a meteorite, in the last couple weeks? Come on, somebody. Yeah, okay, there's at least one. It's pretty intense right now. If you go out tonight, it's likely if you uh, get yourself a, a, in a secluded area and look up for just 10 minutes, you're going to see something. They're, they're pretty common right now. Last weekend on Friday night, we were around a campfire, and I knew that was happening. So as they were kind of singing songs with my family over in Indiana, I just looked up, and then I saw a real big one street across the, street across the sky. And I went inside. I was like, yeah, there was one. And they're like, what are you talking about? I love seeing those. It's it just a reminder of, of how vast the universe is we live in. And God created all that. Look what the Scripture says. Their starry host by his were created by his breath of his mouth. Every time one of those happened, they were put in existence just by God's breath. The sun, God created. He created everything with the breath of his mouth. That is who God is, and we're not him. And we, deserve, we, we must respect him for that. Here, here's what it says in John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is it. He's the creator. So God is love. He, God is the creator. And God is unchanging. Here's what the Old Testament says about God. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. I love it when scripture just makes it simple. Sometimes you're like, well, surely God is adjusting with the times, right? He's got to be adjusting with our social, with our social culture. He's got to be adjusting with the way the world is kind of having a, a mindset change. God does not change. What he says uh, yesterday is true for today and true forever. In fact, a million years before this world was made, God was the same as he is a million years after Christ's return. He does not change. His truth is truth. And we need to respect that because he's perfect. He's absolutely pure. He's holy. Leviticus 19 says this, you shall be holy for the Lord your God is holy. God is perfect. He's pure. And we're not. So where does that leave us? It leaves us to another thing. Our God is just. Justice is a big word right now. This idea that things need to be made right that, that there cannot be inequality based on a race or gender. And God is all about just. He, he's the one that established what justice is. Uh, one of the things you do not want to offend God in is not being just to a widow or an orphan. God uh, high, holds that to a high, high standard. God is a just God. And when we are unjust, we will be judged. Understand, God is just and he will bring justice to all things. Look what it says in Acts 17. This is hard to swallow. For God, or he, has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. 
What this scripture is saying, so no one will understand, no one will miss this. God has set up a day in the future where everyone will be judged. And Jesus, who he appointed to die and be raised from the dead, will be that primary judge. And everyone will have the responsibility to, to be judged. Everyone will be judged. Look at Hebrews 9. It says this. It is appointed for men to die once. After that, this is the judgment. So why did God create us in the first place? He knew that we would fail, that we would not be holy, that we would have to go through a judgment. Why did he do that? I'm sure all of you have thought about it at least once. If God loves us, then why would he put us in a situation where we will fail, where he will have to judge us? Why? Because he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. And he was willing from the beginning to send Jesus, his one and only son, that if we would believe in him, we would live, even though we've messed up. God loves you to the point where the sin that we create is not going to hold us back from him through Christ. You need to understand this. This is a big point. God did not create us like robots that when he created us, we have to love him. We get to choose to love him. So my question in this transition moment is, have you received Jesus, God's perfect example of love? Have you received him? It's your choice. God designed us from the beginning to be in a healthy relationship. Can you imagine being in the garden, just Adam and Eve, uh, husbands and wives, just being with your spouse, and you're walking and talking with God in perfection? There's not a care in the world. You don't even have clothes. You don't even care about clothes because there's no need for clothes. There, there's no need to worry. There's no need to work. God has had this perfect relationship with you, but God has said, hey, just honor me, respect me, and don't eat a, that tree over there. And yet Satan comes along and says, hey, did God t really tell you not to eat this? By the way, if you'll eat this, you'll be like God. You'll have full knowledge. You'll have full wisdom. And what does wisdom and knowledge do uh, left to what's wrong? It puffs us up. And so they pursued to be like God and rebelled against him. And in that rebellion, sin was formed. And it's the root of all pain today. God did not design or de desire for there to be this Sin problem, the pain, but it causes so much. It causes war, divorce, racism, riots, murder, all kinds of injustice. It's why we have disease. It's why, what leads people to be depressed. It, it leads people uh, to death. It causes people to kill one another. Our rebellion from God is the source of all pain. Look what it says in Isaiah 53. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. God is pursuing you today, right now. The problem is, the reason he has to pursue you so hard is you left his path a long time ago. Now, I don't know who you are, but I know there's at least one person here today that's, that's chosen your own path, and God's saying, come back. He's pursuing you, and you may say, well, I can't see any other hope. And Jesus is telling you, but God gave me so that you might live, believe in me, trust in me. We stopped looking at him a long time ago. See, our biggest problem in this world is not a social problem. It's not even a physical problem. Our biggest problem is definitely not a disease. Our biggest problem is our spiritual departure from God. Romans 3 says this, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. 
What we deserve based on our rebellion against God is death. You just need to know this. That's why death is here. That's why people die. But there's two different types of death. I I really don't care much about the physical death. Everybody's going to experience that. Even if you belong to God, you will experience physical death. But, But the death you need to be aware of is the second death. It's a spiritual death that will only be processed by those who rebel against God. See, a physical death will be done and over with. And people love the idea of that. But the reality is there's a second death. There's a spiritual death that goes on forever. Nicodemus was living in this physical world. He says, God, I want to see more. And Jesus says, if you want to know more, you've got to be reborn spiritually. You've got to be made new. See, the worst part about the spiritual death is that hell is literally being apart for God forever. Growing up, I I did not want to go to hell. I think we can probably all agree about that. I didn't want to go to hell because I didn't want to have the fire all the time. And, and then there was this reality the Bible talks about, even though there's fire, there's darkness. The Bible also talks about uh, that there will be worms that, that eat our flesh but never consume us completely. So we're always just being eaten and in darkness and being burned. That is not the worst part of hell. The worst part of hell is God is not there and you're away from him forever. There is no end. So while we are afraid of physical death to the point where We're a nation divided about how to avoid it. What we really need to be concerned about first and foremost as brothers and sisters in Christ is there are people physically alive but spiritually dead that we know. And we've got to share that good news that God sent his son that whoever believes in him would live. The Bible says this, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But God gave us a gift of Jesus God decided to come to earth in the form of a man. Dee talked about this so well last week. This is the incarnation where God took on a human form, took on flesh, and that allowed him to die both physically and spiritually. He died when when that spear went into his side, blood and water came out, his heart had exploded, he was dead. But that's not what Jesus feared the most. Remember, Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about the cross near as much as he was talking about the fact that God and Jesus were going to part company for a while. He had never experienced that. And yet he was willing to experience spiritual death so that we might live. Jesus died and allowed our sins to be put on him so that our, our sins could be dealt with. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be right with God through Christ. You may have never heard that before. Some of you have heard this a bunch. Christ became sin with our sin so our sin could be done away with. That's why Paul says this, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to boast about something, if you want to be a little bit uh, uh, prideful about something, if you want to declare something with confidence, declare the cross that Jesus loved you enough to die for your sins. When Jesus died for us, it was the most horrible thing he could ever face because he spiritually was divided from his father. And yet he took that punishment. And then three days later, he arose physically and spiritually 
the victor over both sin and death. And here's the most amazing part. We do not celebrate a a Savior that's still on the cross. Our hope is not in a dead Savior. Our hope is in a, a risen Savior who sits at the right hand of God and deserves all glory, honor, and praise. Amen? I almost ran out of breath again. It should excite us that we have a living hope. And I'm done this morning. I just want to ask you this question, though. Have you received that love? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The first thing you need to do that is believe. Jesus says, whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That belief, though, is not just believing that that pew is here. It's believing that he is real and I can trust him. It's not enough just to believe. We've got to place our trust in him. Here's the interesting thing about Nicodemus. He came to Jesus in the middle of the night so no one else would see it. A few weeks later, after Jesus died on the cross, Nicodemus stepped out in faith. He says, I want to honor Jesus. I want to take his body and give it a proper burial. So Nicodemus, who had once done everything in private, is now stepping out boldly and says, I'm going to put my money, my reputation, my resources, my position, everything. I'm putting on the line for Jesus. He believed. We never see Nicodemus baptized. We never see any more about Nicodemus. But you talk about a step of trust. Some of you need to take that type of step today, this week. Here's what's interesting. Nicodemus easily came to Jesus at night. I feel like a lot of times as Christians in today's culture, we come to him on Sunday morning during the daylight and no other time. Some of us need to take a step of faith on Friday nights, on Saturday afternoon, on Wednesday at work. It's time that we take a step of faith where no one doubts where we stand. Nicodemus did that. Secondly, we see in the word that we need to confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is not a confession of sin at this point. This is just a saying with our mouth, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and he's my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, that is, that's essential. The word of God says this, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Thirdly, there's a point where you need to repent and say, I'm willing to change. A lot of times we like to think repentance is just saying you're sorry. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If I were God, and thank goodness I'm not, I though believe God has just got to be a little irritated with us saying we're sorry all the time and not changing. It's time that we not only say we're sorry, but God help me to change. And then finally, remember he told Nicodemus to be made new, to be reborn? God instituted a most amazing thing that we can do with him to be reborn. It's called immersion. It's called baptism. But when we believe, when we confess, when we repent, the Bible asks us to follow Jesus' example and be buried with him. And when we're buried with him, we share in his death. And when we come up out of the water in baptism, we share in his resurrection. And we are made new. We have a new birth. What an amazing thing. Maybe that's the decision you need today. Uh, Deborah has already come forward. I spoke to her about this just a little bit ago. She made a decision this week that she is ready to be baptized. Let's praise God for that. She has been a believer a long time. She boldly confessed in my office this week that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. I'm going to have her do that. Even, she's not even going to need a mic because we don't have one right now. But I'm going to ask you to make that confession. I believe 
I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And He's my Lord and Savior. He's my Lord and Savior. Pre he's right here. <laughs> She's been there for a lot of years. You can tell she's confident. Now, here, here's the thing that she's never done. She realized this recently. She's never been buried with Christ. In the sense of being made new, she's never had that moment to, to be laid to, to, to the position of death in baptism and then be raised to a brand new life in Christ. And I told her this week I envy her quite a bit because today there's going to be a moment where no matter what's done in the past, no matter what's done even today or last night, that is all completely gone because the blood of Jesus makes her pure. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're going to go prepare for baptism. And we're, you guys are going to have the opportunity to sing a song. And if you need to make any of those decisions today, man, don't wait another day. And make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Deborah. And I thank you for her bold statement today and her willingness to be baptized, to, to be made new through your blood. Father, give her strength and courage to share it like she is right now for the rest of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.